the Stress Talk Caregiver Podcast, Episode 52. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the Stressed Out Caregiver Podcast, the show dedicated to providing tips and strategies to everyone caring for an elderly loved one. My name is Casey Price, and I am an elder law attorney at the law firm of Price & Price in Haddonfield, New Jersey. We are the law firm that focuses our practice on helping people dealing with Alzheimer's disease and other types of dementia. This podcast exists to help make your job, the job of caring for your elderly loved one, just a little less stressful. And today we're going to talk about something that occurs with, you know, a lot of frequency. And that is what happens when someone doesn't have a living will. What happens when an end of life situation presents itself and the family doesn't have the document that expresses their loved one's instructions, what they do and don't want, and a doesn't they don't have an appointment, something that that appoints a person to make their medical decisions. Like I said, it happens a lot. So if if you find yourself in that situation, don't worry. It's not something that you need to be embarrassed about. It's just how it is. And and you're not working with a living will. So what happens in that situation? Well, most of the time, if someone has a traumatic event, like let's say a stroke, and they really are not going to recuperate, they're not going to regain a quality of life or functionality beyond really just being bedridden and unaware of their surroundings. In a situation like that, you might be asked, what is it that the family wants to do? Do you want this uh, situation to continue and, and to treat? Or would you want to make your loved one as comfortable as possible, but withdraw any, any treatment that would make them better? And if the family agrees, it's often a relatively easy situation. If everyone agrees and, and it's in keeping with what the hospital is offering or or suggesting or making available, you know, are you going to treat? Are you not going to treat? And it's a question like that, then oftentimes the situation will, believe it or not, work itself out. I, I have families that deal with this all the time where their loved one doesn't have a living will and they, they go through exactly the exercise that I just described. The medical professionals will discuss with them what their loved one would want. The family works together and they come up with a, an appropriate solution in keeping with what they believe their loved one's wishes to be. And, and it just, we all get along in that situation and and it works itself out. The medical professionals will be guided by what the family says, at least most of the time. Now, the funny thing is this, you know, you can have a living will and run into a problem where it won't be honored. At least it won't be honored without some sort of intervention with the court and, and an order from a judge. And, and the scenario is, is much like this. And, I, and I'm going to use this because I think it provides a really good contrast as to how things work when you don't have a living will. So here's the situation. If you have two children who don't get along and who don't agree on what the care should be, one child has a living will where they've been appointed their loved one's 
um, healthcare representative, and the, the living will has in, an instruction directive where it says what their elderly loved one would or wouldn't want, and a situation presents itself, and the medical providers uh, approach the healthcare representative and ask for guidance, and the healthcare representative follows the instructions in the living will and says, for example, stop treating my loved one. My loved one would want you to let him or her go in this scenario. So everything's great so far, except that other sibling who doesn't necessarily get along with the healthcare representative comes in and says, you know what? Don't touch my mother. Don't you let her go. You treat her. You keep her alive. I know what she would have wanted. So now we have a conflict. And what what are the medical providers going to do? Well, in most situations, they're not going to withdraw treatment because that is a permanent solution. That's a final process so they can't undo that so they would they might step back and say we're going to keep her alive we're going to keep her comfortable we're going to continue to treat come back with some some advice from a judge come back with a court order and we will be guided by that now here's where the value of the living will really comes in handy when the parties go to court the healthcare representative is going to use the living will as the exhibit that will support his or her position in saying this is what mom would want. Here it is on paper. Here's what she said when she had the ability to say it. The other sibling won't have that. And they're going to try to say what mom would or wouldn't have wanted without the anything that, that would confirm that. And in fact, it would run contrary to what their elderly loved one had put on paper and had declared as their end of life wishes. So in a situation like that, the court is most often going to rule in favor of the healthcare representative and find that the elderly loved one would want the treatment that they outlined in their living will. And that is probably what would end up happening. The court would issue an order. The healthcare representative would bring that back to the hospital, and the hospital would be guided by the healthcare representative's position and what mom or dad or the elderly loved one would have uh, declared in their living will. Now, I, I illustrate that because the alternative is this if we don't have a living will and everybody gets along, it's probably going to work itself out. If we don't have a living will and people don't get along, we're going to end up in court just like we would have in that situation I just described where we have the living will and and the siblings don't get along. The difference, of course, is what? It's that we don't have that document to present to the court as evidence or an exhibit showing what mom would have wanted had she been in this situation. Now we're going to have both parties trying to argue or or convince the court that they know what mom would have wanted, and it makes it a much more difficult process. So if you don't have a living will and everybody gets along, it's probably going to work itself out. If you don't have a living will and people don't get along, then it's probably going to be a battle, and you might find yourself in court fighting over this issue and it may be very difficult to come to a resolution, especially if you know your loved one would want their treatment um, stopped and be allowed to pass away comfortably without going through all of the the, the issues that would be um, part of end-of-life care and treatment in a situation where they wouldn't want themselves in. 
So I hope this is making sense. I hope this illustrates the importance of a living will, or like we say in New Jersey, an advanced directive uh, for health care. It, it is so important in that it makes things much, much easier in the event of a conflict. It makes things much, much easier if everybody gets along. It just really does a good job because it states what mom or dad would have wanted in the instruction directive. It appoints a person to speak on their behalf in the in the um, proxy directive where they appoint their health care representative and things are better when there's a living will involved. But don't despair. If there is no living will, it is possible and in fact likely if everybody gets along that you will be able to further what your loved one would have wanted to happen in that situation. I hope you found this helpful. If you have a friend or or a family member who's dealing with this, please make sure to share this episode, share the podcast with them. You will be um, their hero by sharing this information with them. Keep on the lookout for more episodes. They're coming pretty much daily right now. Let your friends know about the podcast. Like I said before, send any questions or comments you might have to me, Casey Price. My email address is Casey, C-A-S-E-Y at thestressedoutcaregiver.com. Uh, thestressedoutcaregiver.com. Casey at thestressedoutcaregiver.com. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review if you wouldn't mind. I would really appreciate it. Once again, and as always, remember that this show is based in New Jersey law. The laws in your state might be different. The contents of this show is not intended to be legal advice, but rather information so you can find the help you and your elderly loved one need to provide each of you with the highest possible quality of life and the least amount of stress. Once again, my name is Casey Price. I'm from the Elder Law Firm of Price and Price in Haddonfield, New Jersey. We are the Elder Law Firm that focuses on helping families dealing with Alzheimer's disease and other types of dementia. And until I have the privilege of talking to you again, I wish you nothing but the best. <laughs>